You're listening to Kayama Community Radio. Kayama Community Radio.org. Welcome to KCR Kayama Community Radio. This is Roger Five compiling and hosting this show for you today. And um, we have for you an interview with Alan Baxter. He's a local horror genre writer with a new book out. He's going to be interviewed by Mark Whalen. But first, we're going to hear from Poncho Green, a local band, and a song called Poppy's Blues. <laughs> Thank you. 
Poncho Green there with Poppy's Blues. Poncho Green, a local Kayama band. And uh, we're going to carry on now with today's interview with Alan Baxter. And we apologise for the sound quality in parts of this interview. KCR, Kayama Community Radio.org. Hi, this is Mark Whalen. I'm here with Alan Baxter, a Jamboree-based horror author, for a quick interview about his books for Climate Community Radio. Hi, how are you? So, Alan, I've just got a few questions just reading some of your books. And, sure. Uh, you recently wrote a book, I think published in 2020, called The Rue, which you actually used social media to spark some ideas. Now, how did that actually work? <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a bizarre situation and not the sort of thing that's likely to uh, arise again. There was a news article that was um, released around Christmas and it was basically a story about a giant red kangaroo, like this great big muscly male red that was just t- terrorising an outback town. So lots of people started laughing and joking about it. And um, there's a, a horror author, a very good author, who's also a cover designer called Keelan Patrick Burke. And so for a joke, he mocked up an old-fashioned, like an old 80s horror novel cover of a killer kangaroo. And because I was the Australian in, in the conversation among mostly American people laughing about it, they said, well, if anyone's got to write it, Alan should write this book. And things just lined up in such a way that I had the opportunity. I was planning to write an Outback horror story, and so I just switched out. So does it end monster. up being a, a proper horror story? Is it more of a spoof? No, it's, well, it, it's like an exploitation movie. It's like Razorback or something like that. It's, it's an over-the-top, kind of a gonzo horror, and it's got a lot of humour in it because I use a lot of Australian slang, a lot of stereotypical Outback characters in, in this well, little Well, it's refreshing town, to so. see a horror movie potential that actually doesn't involve vampires or zombies. So, yeah, that's it. it's kind of done to death. I mean, there's no zombie... Demonic kangaroo something no, new, No, no zombie kangaroo, I'm guessing. So. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the things about cosmic urban horrors people review like a call what you do, is that there's a sense that the heroes are up against forces way beyond their control, like vast cosmic forces. Yeah. Or vast evil, and they're often a lone person struggling to fight back. Can a, a hero ever truly win in a horror novel? Oh, that's the question, isn't it? Because even if they do win at the end of the horror novel, you're always left with thinking something it, you know, might come back, might come round again. Most of us, when we write horror, we'll leave it a little bit open-ended at least because if the book's popular and publisher wants another one, we've got, a, <laughs> we've got an opportunity wow. to roll with it. But, I mean, horror is a huge genre. It's a, a lot of time people just think sort of gore and, and mayhem, but it's not, you know, regardless of how big or small the foes are usually the story is about people that's the thing about any fiction really but certainly about horror is that the stories explore character and they allow us to see a reflection of ourselves and we think about how we might react would we be the same way or you know and it helps us facing fears like that in fiction helps us to sort of reframe how we face fears for real. well one of the things with horror is that there's a lot of tropes like very familiar storylines and things like that. sometimes newer stories tend to reverse the tropes you have as a writer, Phil, you've got to 
stick with familiar tropes or kind of twist them or is that something you you think about yeah definitely tropes exist for a reason you know people expect certain things from certain styles of or certain genre you know crime or romance or anything like that there's a certain formula that people expect from it but also i think a lot of the time most of us are also trying to put a new twist on that so i will frequently take tropes and try to not necessarily like reverse them, but just take them in new directions or combine tropes that haven't been combined before or try to subvert expectations a little bit. Mm. Uh, and in my experience with short fiction, you can get away with a lot more um, everybody dies kind of stuff. When people commit to a full novel length read, they, they tend to need some sort of positive Do you, do you like writing short fiction? Is it- yeah, absolutely. I, I love short stories. I already, always have done and um, I've got a couple of uh, collected volumes of short stories now both of which are now actually are award winners so. i actually just bought one of those off the internet so. oh well good for you thank you <laughs> there so i mean I, I love short stories and especially with uh, horror and genre fiction short stories and novellas like short novels like the rue they're, they're that's an excellent sort of framework to tell those stories in it's about how long the story needs to be and a lot of the time short stories or novellas are ideal for genre fiction and I've just finished the first draft of a novella collection which is basically five interconnected stories so the whole, the overall thing is the length of a full novel but it's told in five separate stories that sort of overlap with each other but then you know I love novels too I've got seven full-length novels published um, got another full-length novel that I'm just working on right now so there's a real preoccupation with death and supernatural forces in your books the heroes are always struggling against horrors of a supernatural kind. How does your personal beliefs inform you when you're writing about things like that? A lot of what I write is exploring what I think about those things because to to a large degree, the one thing I do know is that we don't know. So we can't know for sure, we don't know for certain. I don't really have much time for organised religion or people say this is the answer or the the only truth is that we don't know anything and it's possible that we can't know everything. So... A lot of the time, writing is a way of exploring these ideas, you know, like explore one direction and see what happens there, explore another direction. And, and also with supernatural horror, there's no boundaries to what we can do. And so. it's kind of a universal fear of death. I mean, it's the one yeah. thing we know yeah. we're all going to face at some point. Ourselves. Yeah, we're all, we're all on the same journey. We're all heading the same way. In the modern world, we, we sort of skirt around it a little bit. You know, people think it's morbid to think about death, whereas a lot of the time, especially in horror, it's something that we sort of try and look at and stare face on. My book, Devouring Dark, was probably the one that was really specifically just looking dead on about death. But all my stuff tends to explore various aspects of the supernatural and there's there's no boundaries then and you can explore stories as far as they'll go and i think that's a, a good idea is sometimes you can just get a story idea and just explore it as far as it can go so i was just wondering um i think you've gone to a few horror conventions and you've gone to writer meetups what's the most unusual or interesting fan experience have you ever for example met someone who's cosplayed as one of your characters <laughs> i haven't had that one yet but uh, it's always fun when it happens i've, I've been uh, to supernova as a guest a few times and somebody will come up dressed as one of the characters for one of the authors ed that's a real joy uh, i think it's likely actually one day oh i hope so and to be honest every once in a while when i'm writing they're i will pretty gritty people though. well like, that's it and the blood spattered you know yeah like, and when know. i'm writing sometimes i'll deliberately sort of add uh, something in that makes them a unique looking character because it's like oh there's a nice idea you know i guess one of the questions is will we ever see a, a screen adaption for netflix or hollywood <laughs> or you know is that something we're ever likely to see oh well i'd love to think so 
uh, sadly, really, the uh, real money in writing tends to be in uh, options for movies and series and stuff. There are people making a, a really good living out of writing alone, but not, not many. Most of us are sort of struggling through the mid-list. A lot of people tell me that my work is very cinematic. I'm frequently being told this would make an excellent movie. So my phone is ready. If Hollywood wants to ring or Netflix wants to ring, there have, been a, yeah, there have been a few nibbles around and there's a couple of things that I can't really talk about, but these things are so nebulous and for example a, f- a friend of mine who's an author over in Perth he's sold the option for a novel of his three times now but still there's no movie of it so even when there is interest and they pay you for the option for that story that still doesn't mean there will actually be an adaptation so. and there's a famous quote Douglas Adams said about getting hitchhikers adapted in Hollywood was a mega saga over 20-30 years his experience of Hollywood was basically cooking a steak by having individual people come in and on breathe on the steak. Yeah, yeah. And that's basically how effective it all was. And yeah. it's all a bit of an imponderable. It is. Getting the option is good because apart from anything else, if someone buys an option on a story, you get some more money for that story. So purely from making a living from writing point of view, then options are great because if you get one, you can get an extra chunk of cash that year. Whether that ever gets to the point of actually being made, that's a huge, messy, convoluted path, and who knows what might happen. From my reading, you've got a sequel coming up pretty soon for Manifest Recall. Yeah, and more novellas. (laughs) What's that one called? So the sequel's called Recall Night. It's out end of August, 25th of August, that one comes out. And what we're hoping to do, if you were up for it, is that you're willing to do a reading, short reading, short reading, from uh, Manifest, uh, yeah, just yeah, to sort yeah. of finish this off? Sure thing. I can read this, just the opening page of, uh, of the first book in that series. Great. Thanks for that. Okay, we'll get to that in a sec. Okay, thanks. You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. Okay, so this is the first page, Manifest Recall. I bought a used car off a woman as thin as her hand-rolled cigarettes. It's a good price, I told her. Why are you selling Last year, she said, beginning to tremble, I had a business and a husband. Now I have neither. I can't wake up in the middle of the night anymore, unable to breathe, panicking about debt. I remember that clearly, her wide, bloodshot eyes, her stained teeth and rat-tail hair. I feel it like a weight on me, my sympathy for that terrible, mundane predicament. It's indelible, that memory. So I know exactly who I got this car from, even if I had no idea where it happened. Or when. Or where I am now. Or who the hell this shivering girl beside me might be. Her knees are pulled up to her chest. Dirty bare feet on the seat, arms wrapped around her shins. She's wearing a seatbelt and her hands are secured together at the wrists with a black plastic cable tie. All that I see from the corner of my eye, but I dare not look directly at her. Not yet. She stares ahead through the windshield, unmoving. Her face is almost as dirty as her feet and she's wearing an oversized T-shirt. Whether she has on shorts or only underwear underneath or even nothing at all, I can't tell. The road ahead is dark. No streetlights, only the car's headlights spiking onto the grey, dirty asphalt. Trees flicker by on either side, occasional glimpse of stars in the night sky when the canopy over the road briefly breaks. Where the hell am I? This podcast comes from Kiama Community Radio. Well, there we've just heard Alan Baxter interviewed by Mark Whalen. And uh, yeah, you can go out and buy his book. Get your thrill out of a bit of horror and fright in this very peaceful town of Kayama. We're now going to follow with uh, Glenn Howarth and his band, Glenn Howarth and the Conspiracy Plan, local artist, um, and they're going to play us a song called Breakdown. I remember you once saying that you'd stay. 
Young and free until the end of time To laugh often and to always speak your mind Always keeping time aside for friends and family Sure people change, but do you like who you've become? And I'm sure along the way you've lost what you're fighting for Oh, it's a breakdown you've got to leave now On your own you make it somehow Your pounding just will tell you when you're ready to get out Another breakdown and it's time to leave now Pictures fade but memories break through The clutter in your mind A little voice screams Save me, save me You never cared what anybody thought A charismatic kid with nothing to lose You never did what anybody told you Playing by your own rules And never growing up I know you're older But never lose your roots And don't let anyone push you around Or tell you what to do Oh, it's a breakdown you've got to leave now Somehow your pounding jet will tell you when you're ready to get out Another breakdown and it got to get out Pictures fade but memories break through the clutter in your mind A little voice screams, save me, save me Save me, save me Save me, save me. KCR, Kayama Community Radio.org. And now it's time for our first joke from the Kids Joke Corner. We love to hear from the kids in our community, so please convince your little darlings to tell us their funniest jokes and email the audio file to us at kcradiocontent at gmail.com. Well, we've come to the end of the show. This is Roger Fife hosting with you today on KCR, Kayama's community radio station. And if you're interested in volunteering, there's plenty of opportunity there. Just go to the website, www.kayamacommunityradio.org, and we'll find something for you to do. I'm sure we will, and you'll thoroughly enjoy it. It's great fun. We're going to leave today with the local musician David Christopher and he's going to sing his song Every Now and Then. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take it easy. Stay safe.
every now and then A memory reminds me Of things I should have seen Never left behind me When you can see What you want That won't ever change things And you can know That it stops Hope that nothing ever changes If every now and then Could bring back things that ended Happiness comes rarely Where you can see What you want Let your heart Get you lost Every day Is a single step Towards a life Without regret If it should take forever Together make some sense Feet upon the ground Take 
been listening to Kayama Community Radio.